And good morning to everybody on the live stream as well. We want to say hey to you. We're glad you're listening. We're glad you're watching. And later on, if this is uh, something that you're watching that's been recorded, just know the Word of God is living. And so it doesn't make any difference if you're not hearing it live. The Word of God being alive is the same as reading the Word of God. It has the same power. So there's no difference. There's no difference. It carries the same power when mixed with faith. So we want to remind you of that. Please, if you will, turn with us now into Romans 8. Romans 8, 23. Somebody said, hey, I thought. Yeah. Somebody may be a Roman. I don't know. There may be a Roman in here. I'm not sure. And somebody said they're not owning it or something like that, I guess. Yeah. This is I'm not drawing your your eggs that you boiled this morning, so some of you said, I didn't have time to boil an egg this morning. I understand. All right. We're gonna talk about the amazing way that God has us complete our project for him, right? You have a project for God. If you're born again, you have a project for him, right? Amen. I, I can't honestly say that it's 100% different than anybody else because it says that the body has many like appendages. So that means there could be two hands. But I really would tell you I really doubt they operate 100% in the same way. And the we reason we know that is because the pattern God did with DNA, we're all individuals. And so you have to assume since we all have an individual soul and an individual body and nobody else is truly like that, right? You want to say, you say, well, what about twins that have the same body, you know, same structure? I'm telling you, their souls are not the same. Their souls are not the same. They can be complete. They generally are completely different. And by the way, one can be saved or born again; the other not. Right? Amen. Come on with me. You right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of what we're looking at. We want to talk about the first fruits of the spirit. First fruits of the spirit. Stay with me. We're gonna have a little fun. I hope a little fun. Now, you guys know this. So, which of 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 the three parts? man's triune nature that God gave us, which is redeemed first in order? Spirit, thank you. What do we call that? Being born again. What's the, what's the product of being born again? Sonship. That's one way to say it, right? We're born again unto sonship. Amen. Okay. That's the second part. Second part. Well, yeah, I mean, and this is, <clears throat> this is tricky because every man is a spirit, has a soul, and, you know, has a body, lives in a body, right? You understand, right, that you have to have a body to affect creation. You have to. For the most part, the way to affect creation is through a body. Yeah, I could sit there and it's not going to move. You know what I mean? But we've been given a body to affect creation. Jesus is given a body to come and affect creation. Right? That's, that's the point. So, but the second part of this deal is our mind, will, intellect, emotions, our, 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 our wisdom center. And actually what it becomes is your choice center. Where you make choices is in your soul. 
right? So when you choose Christ, you're not using your spirit. You're using your soul. You're using your mind. Your mind chooses day to day what to do, right? Amen? Makes sense? Okay. So, so the soul is what? And we, we know kind of the process for that. And one way to say it is in Romans 12 too. And what does it say? Be transformed unto or renewed unto right transformed or renewed unto transformation of your mind right renewed unto transformation and complete transformation then would be what redemption of the soul right That'd be redemption of the soul. So redemption of the spirit is new birth, and you become a son. When the spirit is redeemed, you become a son of God, right? And when the soul is renewed unto transformation, that is, our mind, will, intellect, and emotions come in line with what we've seen that God has said by the spirit. We've been born again, so the spirit is teaching us, right? The spirit is, he's, he's showing us what preachers are saying, what the Bible's saying, what our, what our study time, you know, in our, in our um, Bible study time is saying, right? He's revealing. And so with our choice center, as we continue to stay in the word, we're in a process of having the mind renewed unto what God has said instead of what we've seen our whole lives because what we've seen our whole lives is the flesh carnality the fallen world right and you can't get where God wants you to go if you're still living by what you learned in the flesh amen that makes sense and that's why people, you know, they say, well, am I, am, I, am I saved? I still struggle. I still make bad decisions. When you understand this, it all makes sense. And what is interesting to me and, and is that this is left up to you right now. You know, Paul, apostle, looked at us basically through, you know, the word and said, you be renewed unto transformation in other words you spend time in the word you spend time believing read the word where you're built up in it where you believe what god has said more than you believe what you see right and that is the shame really of for a christian that does it that comes in and gets saved and, and doesn't spend hours reading the word especially when they're young in christ because they don't have any, any renewal under transformation. So although they have this inheritance that's available, and although they have these blessings that are available, they don't know it. And not only do they not know it, they can't exercise faith for it not knowing it, right? And so it won't come into manifestation, right? And so many times we get tricked by the flesh, the body, because what do we say? Well, we say, well, I know God said he healed me, but I'm sick, right? I'm sick. And so what are we doing at that point? Have we believed the report of the Lord? Or are we trying to see something in the body instead of walking by faith? That makes sense. That makes sense. And, you know, if we were honest, if we were just really honest with each other, you just don't find a lot of people that have been re renewed under transformation overall, you know. And it's it's 
it's, I, I don't, I'm just saying what you see. Now, I'm not saying it's certainly possible. It's certainly what God wants. But we don't spend time in the Word. You know, that word to Joshua was meditate on my word day and night. Let it not depart from your lips. In other words, meditate on it until it renews your mind unto transformation, until you understand success is God's plan for you and not failure, right? Understand that God's plan for you is to go over and above what you may have seen that's been possible so far in life. Understand it until you've been transformed into that person God says you are instead of that person you've been looking at. How many Christians never become what we've been called to become because we sit here and we spend our whole time looking at this and trying to say, well, if God was going to do it, he'd just do it. No, he has done it. And the thing of it is, it's been given to you here and you've got to renew this in agreement with it and choose to mix faith with it, right? Amen? And when people do that, by the way, it always works. God doesn't fail. He doesn't fail. Had somebody tell me this week that... uh they were, they were just discussing how amazing it is to come to the understanding that God has something specific for everybody. See, I didn't grow up in that. We grew up in church where you just get saved. And we, we weren't told that God created you specifically for something in his mind he has a place for you and you could never know that place before you were born again. There's no way you could because you had to be made new for it to begin to speak and the soul to begin to have a chance to be renewed to transformation of newness of life, right? This thing that he's called me to be. How many people get caught up and say, well, you know, I, 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 I'm saved, but God can't use me. I've been a sinner. Or God can't use me. I hadn't been 100% obedient. Or God can't use me. I, I've gone down the wrong road. You know, I should have turned back long ago and, and I should have taken a different job and done different things. They're looking at what exists in the flesh, right? Anything, God can do anything with something that's new. How many of you heard the new wineskin thing? Jesus said, I can't put new wine in an old wineskin, right? And isn't it interesting? Don't you find it then interesting that he characterizes each and every one of us as made new, a new wineskin? In other words, to a new job, to be filled with a new wine, not the wine that you found in the world, not the wine that, that you graduated high school and not knowing the Lord and maybe not being led by people who understood uh, God's destiny or whatever you will, you know, his, his plan for your life, you know. And so having spent your whole life devoting it to something else and then doubting that God can take something new, but it's simple for him, he just fills it with new wine. <laughs> he just fills it with new wine and, and then guess what whatever was blocking you before it's not there anymore it's not blocking you anymore he dealt with that in Christ amen didn't he isn't that the point he dealt with the older the, the former things the old things in Christ so what are we now we're new we've got to get our our head the beaker with all the information in it, right? We got to get that, the beaker with all the information in it full and in agreement with what Jesus Christ said. You know, every, everything, everything, the earth, 
All of creation was given to Christ. You know, he's, he's the one. He's the one. And then because he's so gracious, he said, everybody who believes in what you've done in me, God, I'm giving, I'm sharing this all with them, and I'm giving them all a taste. And, it, and according to what he's done is what we get. So, see, it's, it's absolutely fair for me to look at you and say, it doesn't matter one iota what you did before. Because when Jesus Christ indwells you and decides who you are, that's who you are. You may, not get, you may not ever make yourself come to the point of understanding it in this life, but he has it for you. It's sitting there. I say this sometimes. We used to, in the insurance business, we try to get the lowest quote we could. You know, we'd quote an auto dealer or oil jobber or something. And I'd want to I'd beat them by 15%. But the underwriter would say, well, you, do you know where we are? We don't want to leave a lot of money on the table, right? We want to get in there, but we don't want to leave a lot of money on the table because we don't want to have a big claim and lose our shirts trying to get this account, right? Because the whole thing is based on risk with them, and they're scared to death. You're, you're in sales, and you're doing your side, and that underwriter's scared to death. Every, 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 every oil tanker that goes up and down this road, they see a million-dollar claim, and they see a car burning and a convenience store burning, and you know that's their side of the thing. They're like, oh, I don't want to be too cheap. Now, let's, can, you, can you sell it if we're even, right? Well, understand, with Christ, you don't want to leave any money on the table. You don't want to leave any blessing on the table. If he's called you to something, why would you? Right? If he's given you a reason to be in the kingdom and brought you into it, and he's willing to supply everything you need, then all we really have to do is be renewed unto transformation of what that is. You know, Paul and the apostle went on to say, so that you can prove, prove God's good, pleasing, perfect will. You know, an apostle had to prove, you know, because he, he thought he was going to the Jews, and he found out later he was going to the Gentiles, you know. <laughs> but over time, he proved out. That, yeah, maybe Peter's anointing is to the Jews. And even though I'm a Jew of Jews, you know, the funniest thing is the anointing flows to the Gentiles. I think I, I'm proving out that I belong with the Gentiles here. And it's funny, the people that were in his circle in the Holy Spirit, they understood it and agreed with it. They saw it, didn't they? Because what do we say? There's no blessing without a manifestation to prove it, right? Isn't that true? God's not into, and, and I grew up, and I hate to say this, Christianity we grew up in, it was all abstract. And, and I, I don't mean to, I'm not trying to put anybody down, it's just honest to goodness. That's the way we grew up is that God's good, but you didn't ever actually see it. But he is, you know. God's a healer, but you prayed for 300 people in the last 10 years and none of them got healed. You know, it's very abstract. And the reason it was abstract is because we didn't understand this process and we couldn't release faith for healing until we saw it over here that's what we were taught well you can't be a liar obviously if you're healed you're healed right so, and that's what they would tell us you, you can't go around saying you're healed if your body's messing with you but really the truth is jesus says you are doesn't he i struggle with this sometimes you ever get sick and I have, to, I have to be renewed unto transformation almost again sometimes. You know, you have to go back and get in those healing scriptures. You have to spend time. You have to what? 
meditate on that word day and night let it not depart from thy lips and good success comes right and if if you get over into reading about something else about grace or about uh, laying on of hands or whatever it is and all of a sudden some kind of little sickness tries to come on you you may find you're not you're not as sharp in that area as you ought to be and you've got to go over and renew right you got to go transform a little bit amen and that makes sense because whatever you put in you you get full of right is that true yeah i had a guy tell me one time he said if you got two dogs whichever one you feed the most is the one that's gonna win so if you think about it you can either feed your soul from what the spirit of god your born again spirit is showing you from the word or you can feed your soul from what you see in day-to-day life in your fallen flesh and I want to tell you the truth. Whichever one you feed the most is going to win. Whichever one you feed the most is going to win. You know? And as a Christian, that is just flat out the truth for me standing here. That's the truth. And I can make an excuse to God. Well, I, I, I had to do this, that, or the other, you know? But I had freedom, didn't I? I could have stayed up all night if it was that important to me to be filled with what I need to be filled with, right? Amen? You think I, I have a feeling that's what he'll tell me about some things sometimes when I ask questions, when I see him face to face. He'll probably say, well, you know, you had it. You were close. But you didn't quite re- renew. Or maybe, thank the Lord, he'll say, man, you pushed through and you renewed. Praise God, you know, in everything. So, but I, I wanted to share this with you and, and understand this so that we're not misled by anything. Jesus Christ did every work, every miracle, every healing, all of his preaching, all of his laying on of hands, every word of wisdom, word of knowledge, every, you know, all the miracles, everything he did was done in the same manner, folks. You can hear a pin drop. Everything he did as the Son of God, he did in the same way every other Son of God has been given. Because if you think about it, Jesus came forth from the Father. His spirit was never severed. He never died in spirit because he never sinned, right? But his mind, his soul, was not renewed under transformation. Not completely. Now, have you thought about that? In Luke, it says twice that as Jesus grew, he grew in wisdom. You know what that would indicate? Renewal unto transformation of the soul, the mind, the will, the intellect. Do you understand what I'm saying? He was doing the same thing God's given us to do. Stay with me and and see this for yourself. Luke 2.40 says he increased in wisdom. Luke 2.25 said he increased in wisdom. John 2.1-8 says that when he turned water into wine, he was not ready. He told his mom, it's not my time. Do you understand what that means? That means that although his spirit was born again and he had access to everything the Father has, just like you, I might add. Just like you, I might add. He still had to 
renew his mind under transformation and his mother helped him because he said woman you know that's not my concern it's not my time and she didn't listen to him a, a bit did she she said do what he tells you to do and what happened it most certainly was his time right how many of you sitting here are telling god it's not my time for business for family for whatever and you've been convinced by Satan or somebody that's not talking in line with what God says, right? And because you're not strong here, you're buying into it because you're looking at this, right? This is what I actually have to work with. No, that's a, that's a lie. What you have to work with is every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 1.10. For we've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And how many of you are born of the Spirit? So what that means is every blessing of God, because God is Spirit, every blessing of God is yours. When you were born again, the door flew open. And the problem that we had is we were still trying to walk by what we saw and hadn't renewed ourselves to what God said. Right? And the same thing with Jesus. He wasn't sinning. He just didn't get it yet. Right? You understand? He, he's like, oh, it's, it's not my time. I don't, I don't have any indication it's my time. And, of course, as soon as he tried it, a miracle happened. Interestingly, you don't have any scriptural evidence of a miracle before that in his life. You don't have any evidence in the Bible of any kind of workings of the Holy Spirit before that one. So what would that indicate to me? That would indicate that he was sitting there like people in this room and like myself saying, well, I know one day I'm going to probably do something great for God. I know one day God's called me to something. I know one day God had me to have my own business. God has me to have my, my own. One day we're going we're gonna to do what we're called to do, go on the mission field or whatever it is. One day, one day, one day, right? And it's quite possible that just like him, that day is here. Right? Think it's possible? Mark thirteen thirty one. Interesting. Because re religious people and a lot of good people tend to think that Jesus just walked around as God and did whatever he wanted. And that there were no rules. That he didn't, he didn't actually minister as a man. He just did whatever he wanted. But scripture doesn't speak that way, right? So it's interesting that in Mark 13, 31... Jesus literally owned up to this. He said, no man knoweth the hour of the day. Neither the angels in the heaven, not even the Son of God, not even the Son. Do so you understand? you believe there, there are some things you don't know? But you know the Bible says you have the mind of Christ. That's why Jesus couldn't know the day, folks. If Jesus had known the day, all that are in Christ would have known the day. Because everything Jesus had, the church has. Does that make sense to you? Because Jesus truly was ministering as the second Adam. Right? And so the fact is, he didn't know because we need to walk in faith. Obviously, God didn't want that put out there, did he? He did give us a hint. He said, when you see signs of it, you know it's close. Does that make sense? So are you seeing that Jesus had to be renewed too? And that he had limits in his soul, in his intellect. Does that make sense? 1 Corinthians 2.16 is where it says, Apostle Paul was saying, for we have the mind of Christ. 
Now, we should say that that must mean the church has been given access to the mind of Christ. But we know it's not an automatic because the mind is not the spirit. Now, the spirit's born again, and when you receive the Holy Ghost and you're filled, you're filled, right? But this is on you. The soul is up to you in this time on the earth right now. I don't know what happens in heaven. It may be immediately uh, filled with all knowledge, and I would say it. It may not, <laughs> you know? But if you think about it, Jesus had to be renewed in the same way. Same way. So what, what could we say? What was he able to do? I mean, if you think about it, because we sit around like we have no power. We sit around like we have no calling. We sit around like the world's just going to grind us into the dirt. And Jesus, in the same manner that we've been given, walked on water, raised the dead, healed every sick person that came to him in faith, now, hear me on this. We're all the body of Christ. It doesn't mean every one of us has all the gifts of healing. I'm not saying that. But what we are saying is somebody does. Everything Jesus had, somebody in the church has it. And I think that's a really big point to lead us to the idea that we shouldn't be divided. Because we need to know our brothers and sisters everywhere to know what gifts and graces and talents that they, they have and they move in, right? Amen? Because when we're divided, we don't know those things. And when we don't share the revelation that each body gets or each movement gets from Christ, that means these people know something, these people know something, but wouldn't it be cool if we all shared it and grew up into the one man Christ as a body? Well, that'd be, that'd be rough for, for the devil, wouldn't it? <laughs> that'd be a nightmare for him. If everybody that's born again started testing, renewing themselves to the word and started testing to prove what their part is and began then seeing it like Paul did and said, all right, I'll go to the Gentiles. Then seeing it, mixing it with faith in their soul and just pushing forward. Wow. Amen. Jesus, when he was in... Um, Gethsemane about to go to the cross you know in uh, Matthew 26 he said my soul is sorrowful he wasn't talking about his spirit his spirit was born again his spirit was fully filled with the father right but he had a soul just like you and I and he was honest he said my soul is filled with so much sorrow even unto death so he said can you hear me that I'm not lying when I say he had to minister in the same way that we're called to minister. Fully recreated here, but needing to renew ourselves under transformation here so that we come in agreement by faith with what God's done. Amen. Does that make sense? So really, it tells us, I mean, honestly, exactly what we can do. And it tells us that we don't have any limits for what we're called to, even though we don't see them in the flesh. Now, I want to say this because a lot of people get um, mowed down by this. So, you, you know, you get a lot of people who get caught up in, in, and we used to play a lot of Southern gospel songs where I was from. And a lot of times the point was, one day when we get there, all this good stuff's going to happen. That is certainly true. 
But we have to understand that the first fruits of the Spirit give us God-given ability to do everything Christ did while he was on earth all the way until the resurrection. Amen? All the way to the cross. You with me? Everything he did before that because his body, how many of you know his body wasn't resurrected until after he died on the cross? So he wasn't glorified in his body. The whole, can you hear me? The whole time he was doing all these miracles, the whole time he was prophesying to people, the whole time he was raising the dead, the whole time he was walking on water and doing all these things, he was doing it as the son of God, born of the spirit and in full agreement in his soul with what God said. Amen. And you know it was if you've read if you've read John because he said he said those kinds of things the things I do are the things I hear the, hear the Father do he didn't say I do some of my stuff and I do some of my daddy's stuff which is what most of us do what's he he's literally saying I do nothing that I haven't proven comes from the Father I do nothing that I don't know he's given me supernatural grace to do how many things do we do in a day just off the cuff and say, God, just bless us, right? So think about that. And, you know, obviously we are not Jesus. So we do have to walk by faith, right? And we do have that time to prove it out. Amen? Does that make sense? But if you're not trying, if you're not pushing forward, you're missing something he gave you. You're missing something he gave you. And I want to read a few things to you. I'm in Romans 8. I'm going to start with verse 10. It says this, If Christ is in you, the body is dead. So we know that, right? The body is dead. In other words, the body can't do anything good outside of the spirit, right? It's dead. Amen? What does that mean? The the body doesn't know God, does it? So if we walk around and are moved in life more by what we've seen in our body than what we've heard from the Word of God, we're going to miss it every single time because the body's dead, right? Make sense? Verse 11, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus, uh, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you life. He'll give life to your mortal body. Now, it, this is in line talking about resurrection. I do not believe this verse, though, is talking about resurrection. I believe that this is the life that Christ ministered to, even though his body had not been glorified. Does that make sense? Because that makes sense. That makes sense. Because he wasn't sinful, but he was corruptible. And he wasn't, he wasn't, he was, he was mortal, right? So he didn't finish the redemptive process until resurrection, just like you won't. So all of the things he was doing that were miracles and works and mighty things, he was doing with an unrenewed, unredeemed body. And you can prove that out because Jesus didn't tend to walk through walls until after he ascended, until after he was resurrected. And then he started doing it, right? Amen? Yeah. I mean, if Jesus had jumped off the temple when Satan first tempted him, he would have died. (laughs) 
because he wasn't more he was mortal and he was corruptible right verse 7 well i want to go to verse 12 therefore brothers we're debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh now think about it many christians that are born again are looking at their flesh and saying i'm blessed if my flesh is blessed right they're looking for the sign or to first appear in their flesh and yet clearly the bible says we don't have a debt to the flesh we should live according to the spirit and the spirit would tell your soul the wisdom or the life of god the knowledge of god right and so you don't have a debt to do what the body tells you but how many christians are living as a debtor to their body I had a man tell me one time he said well I, i've got cancer and um i said i'm sorry and he said but you know I, I, I said well let's pray about it i'd like to see god heal you you know well no he wouldn't heal me i did it to myself so he said i smoked all my life and did it to myself right so what was he doing though he was looking at his body saying i deserve it i did it to myself and as a Christian, he was being a debtor to the flesh. It didn't matter what the flesh thought. It didn't matter. He didn't owe the flesh anything. Jesus Christ released him from his debt to the flesh. He was required to live to the Spirit and be renewed under transformation in his mind into agreement and choose to walk by faith. Right? Verse 17 of Romans 8. If we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we might, that we what, may also be, now what's that talking about? Which one of these is that talking about? Glorified. That particular case. It's talking about the body. It's talking about glorified finally with Christ. You realize he's, he's glorified now since the resurrection right and so the ultimate hope is that our body is finally released into this glorious freedom too right but we can't get caught up and say that that's the only thing that we're here dealing with or we'll fall short perhaps does that make sense verse 18 for i consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed it's talking about the body again when the bodies are glorified right which shall be revealed in us you're already born again that has been revealed amen that makes sense and to the degree that you've transformed your mind that's been revealed and miracles or, or different things work in your life to the degree that you've done that right but your body will not be perfected until the time let's look at verse 19 for the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of god now, what is that again that's the body revealing of the sons of god when it's evident clearly on the outside that we are the sons of god you realize that when a regular person sees you they don't know you're a son of god unless you say something unless you testify unless god does some kind of work through you right they you just look like a person 
Now, one day you'll be glorified and it will be evident. Just like when they went up on the Mount of Transfiguration and Jesus was glorified and it was evident. Right? Amen? 21. Because the creation itself also will be delivered. How many of you knew that? A lot of people think he's doing away with the earth and all the animals and everything are going to die. It's simply not true. According to this. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption hmm, into the glorious liberty of the children of God. How many of you can imagine how freeing it'll be when your body has no sickness, no pain, no lust, no passions that try to pull you away from God, and it's absolutely glorified? That's the glorious liberty that's being talked about. Until we receive that, we're stuck here with a renewed or a redeemed spirit and a job to do to renew our mind to transformation so we can serve God by faith. Amen? Now, one day, we'll get this. But I would suggest to you that when that day comes, all ministry will be over. Ministry is to be done now in your current condition. And that's what's wrong with those songs that I used to sing growing up in church is that one day we're going to do this and we're going to glorify God. And we're going to. No, I need to be glorifying Him now. Because the only people it's going to affect are the people in the world now. Once we're glorified, everything is going to be set. Right? So obviously, God is expecting us to serve Him now by faith, right? Almost done. Now look at what he says. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting the adoption. That means the body. And it, he goes on and specifies. We're waiting for the completion of our adoption. We've been adopted in spirit, and we're, we're being adopted in our soul, right? But our body is going to be the completion of that adoption. He goes on to say it, the redemption of our body. The redemption of our body. But if you will, back up a little bit there in 23. There's a major word there. Not only that, but we who have the first fruits of the Spirit. The first part. The first part. The Spirit's first part. Now, I will ask you a quick question. In Romans 8, in other places... I'd ask you a question. Who raised Jesus? Spirit, right? So, so that's one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to, to either transfigure us or resurrect us. But there's a first work of the Spirit. And that's the work that everything you're going to do in ministry is done in. It's called the first fruits. When you prophesy to somebody, it's through the first work of the Spirit. When you lay hands on somebody and they're healed, it's through the first fruits of the Spirit. When we lay hands on people to become evangelists or whatever, and we are agreeing with God, right? That's through the first fruits of the Spirit. When people receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost and unto power and boldness, that's through the first fruits of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus walked on water, that was through the first fruits of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Does that make sense? And so we can't look and say, well, one day we'll be able to do it when we get our new body. No, we have everything we need in the first fruits for ministry. 
And if you understand what Paul said, he said, we have this gift or this treasure talking about the first fruits of the Spirit in jars of clay in a body that's not redeemed so that it shall be evident or should be evident that it is of God and not of me. Right? I'm going to ask you, if you will, to pray on that, believe on that, and, and please join me in this. There's nothing super duper spiritual about what we just talked about. The word of God itself is living. You don't have to, you don't have to go and, and be slain in the spirit and, and run around in circles and prophesy for an hour to do what God's called you to do. What you are called to do is be transformed by renewing your mind unto the word of God, Right? And if I will read that, believe it, read that, believe it, read that, believe it, mix it with faith, and guess what? God is faithful to what? Produce that first fruit in my life. Amen? There is no doubt. And he will do it in your frail flesh. Because we're not going to read it, but if you read further, it says the Spirit is given to us, and he helps us in our weaknesses which means we haven't been glorified yet but we have the ministry of the holy ghost in power in us to be able to complete the work god's given us to do that's why i believe romans 8 early on in that verse 10 when it says he'll give life to your mortal flesh he doesn't say he'll raise your mortal flesh he doesn't say he'll redeem your mortal flesh he doesn't say he'll transfigure your mortal flesh as a matter of fact he says i'm going to put life into your mortal flesh which means you're going to be in the same situation in the flesh, but you're going to have the first fruits, right? Amen. So if as a church we were serious and we began to pray like grown-ups pray and believe like grown-up people believe and be transformed and, you know, there would be no stopping his church. I'm not saying some of us might not stop ourselves, but there'd be no stopping his church, right? And it wouldn't be us. It'd be belief in him. It'd be belief in what he said. Amen? Grab somebody next week. Grab them, tell them to listen to this message, and then talk to them about it. Help them understand it. Tell them to get in the word. Tell them to pray in tongues. The very next part of this starts talking about tongues, right? He groans, he comes to our weakness, amen? Romans 8, 